Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Jane, and uh, I forgot your first name. Thank you for that lovely song. Thank you for the prayer. That was good as well. Um, if I didn't hear it fully, that's because I wear these awful things and I can't always hear everything, but thank you anyway. Uh, one thing I forgot to say this morning was Happy Easter to you all. Uh, it is Easter. I preached last Sabbath. I was preaching at Newbold. And uh, I wished them all a happy Easter because I knew I was going to be away. <laughs> so I was a week early over there. But I thought I'd better give you a... Um, to wish you all a happy Easter this morning. So let us pray. Can we... <clears throat> Father God in heaven, I ask you please in the name of Jesus. For the power of your Holy Spirit to be present with us here this morning. We thank you for the lovely songs that have been sung. We thank you for the lovely prayers that were said. And now we pray that your Holy Spirit will take control of my mind and my heart as I share your word this morning with the members of Plymouth Church. Please be with each one of us and uh, help me to lift the name of Jesus higher than any other. In your name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Well, it was supposed to be a very exciting day for Tom. He was eight years old. And this particular day, he was going to go to work with his father. He's never been to work with his father before. He was on school holidays. His father was working or looked after a big swing bridge that went over a river, which was a railway bridge. And every so often, they would have to open the bridge to let the big ships come up through the river. Well, this particular day, the big bridge was open. And Tom's dad promised him that if it was open, he would take him down inside the workings of the bridge to show him all the different rams and the different mechanisms of that bridge. It was huge. And so off they went down. But he said to his son, you must listen to me. Always. Because if you hear the whistle of the train, I must immediately go up and shut the bridge so that the train can safely travel over the river. And so he said that he would. And so <coughs> they were down inside the workings and young Tom was amazed at all the different things that were happening that I could see down there inside that bridge. And as they were down there, his father heard the, the whistle of the train. And he said to his son, Tom, come quickly. I must run up and close the bridge because if I don't, lots of people will die. He ran over to his hut and he went to pull the lever and he turned and he noticed his son wasn't there. His son was still down inside that bridge. And he thought, oh my goodness, what can I do? Because if I don't shut the bridge, hundreds of people will die. But if I leave the bridge open, I can save my son. He was in a terrible dilemma, but he realized that he couldn't save his son that day because of the hundreds of people that would have perished if he didn't close that bridge. He cried out to his son, 
he hoping that he would hear him, but the loud whistle of the train was getting nearer and nearer and thundering towards that bridge. And so he pulled the lever to close the bridge, knowing that his son would die. And as the train went thundering over the bridge, the father looked up and he noticed the people on the carriages. Some were laughing, some were joking, some were looking out the windows, some were just sitting quietly. And he cried out, Don't you realise I've sacrificed my son to save you? And of course they didn't. The train went thundering past. His father left distraught, knowing that his son was killed. You know, Easter reminds us that death came hurtling at Jesus as he hung on that cross of Calvary over 2,000 years ago. He hung there to take the full penalty of sin. Your sin, my sin. And of course the sins of the world. He died so that we wouldn't have to die. And as he hung upon that cross in agony, he heard people cry out to him, If you are the Christ, well then come on down. If you come on down, we'll believe in you. And Jesus knew that they wouldn't. Others were laughing at him. The soldiers were scorning him. Even those who were being crucified beside him were making fun of him. And during all of this, there was pitch black around that cross. So black was that you could hardly see your hand in front of your face. But the Father, the Father was there by that cross, by Jesus. And he cried out in agony, Don't you realise I'm sacrificing my son for you so that you can live? And of course, they didn't hear that. They didn't really care anyway because they were just there to make fun of Jesus. You know, Jesus could have come down off that cross if he wanted to. But it was with divine sacrificial love he refused to spare his own life so that he could rescue you and I. The cross was not some sort of icon given to create an image or likeness of Jesus. No, you see, death by crucifixion was the ultimate humiliation, the ultimate horror, the ultimate degradation. One Roman historian of that period, Tacticus, spoke of crucifixion as a torture fit only for slaves. It was reserved for only the worst of criminals. It was barbaric. It was inhumane. The victim was usually naked and the corpse was often left on the cross for the birds and the animals to eat. 
Cesario called it the cruelest and most horrible torture. Often you see paintings of Jesus on the cross. And frequently, well most of the time, all that I have seen shows Jesus covered in the middle with a, like a pair of shorts, but they're not shorts, wrapped around his waist. But you know when Jesus was crucified on that cross, he was completely and totally naked. They wanted to humiliate him so much. Satan was laughing his head off, we're told, along with all the evil angels. But they forgot. They forgot. Several times Jesus told his disciples that he was going to be crucified, but on the third day he was going to rise from the dead. They forgot that. Satan tried to humiliate Jesus so much, he hated him so much. And do you know what? Satan hates Seventh-day Adventists more than any other Christian. Why? Because we keep the Seventh-day Sabbath holy. Because we keep the other commandments that God has given us to keep. And Satan hates that with a vengeance. That's why he is trying to destroy as many people as possible, especially those who say, call themselves Seventh-day Adventists. The cross was not just any kind of death, as I said. It was not only a death of pain, it was also a death of shame. As the famous hymn says, On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Death on the cross was obscene. It was offensive. And yet knowing all this, the message of the cross offers each of us forgiveness, offers us hope with no consideration or merit of who we are, from which country we come from, whether we're rich or whether we're poor, it does not matter. Because all in Christ are the same. Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all deserved death. Because that's what, the, that's what Paul says. Sin demands death. And that's why Jesus had to die, my friends. Because God set the penalty. And only God could pay that penalty. And this he did willingly because he loved each of us so much. The cross stands as the symbol of Christianity. In fact, our English words crucial and crux are derived from the Latin word for cross. We might say, well, the crux of the matter, for instance, is this. Or the crucial point of our faith is something else. But they all centre upon the cross. 
but its symbolism has no value to someone who doesn't understand what Jesus did on that cross. Today, Easter is more about Easter eggs and hot cross buns. It's got nothing to do about the fact that Jesus died to save humanity. The scripture says that Jesus suffered and died there to provide forgiveness, to bridge the gulf between God and man that Satan had caused. There was such a huge gulf between man and God because of sin. We know from the beginning at one point that, that God used to come to the Garden of Eden and talk on a daily basis with Adam and Eve. But when they sinned, that face-to-face -face communication was broken. And that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to repair that broken communication once more. The Apostle John says that Jesus was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It repudiates the common belief that our good and bad deeds will be weighed to determine our eternal destiny. You see, it was on the cross that a sin-cancelling atonement was made by our Saviour Jesus. Now, full and free forgiveness is granted to anyone on the basis of faith alone. Paul says this in Ephesians 2, Verse 8 to 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone boast. If it was down to works that somebody could be saved from, many people would never make it. Because not everybody can work. Those with disabilities find it very difficult. Those who have other problems in their lives find it very difficult to work. So God said, no, it's got nothing to do with what you can do. It's got nothing to do with how much money you can pay. It's got everything to do with what my son Jesus has done for you on the cross of Calvary. So all calculation of merit is completely excluded. All weighing of good deeds on a scale is ruled out. There is nothing of self in our salvation whatsoever. The cross is a symbol of the Christian faith. Why? Because the cross is at the heart of Christianity. The cross is our central message. Jesus himself said in John 12, 32, I, if I am lifted up, will draw all people to myself. And Jesus also says, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself 
Take up his cross and follow me. He wasn't saying that we must all be crucified and suffer immense agonizing pain and be completely humiliated. The cross to which he was referring to is the act of putting to death our own heart's desires, quietly submitting to God's will. When I was seven or eight years old, I used to watch on the Easter, there used to be an Easter program on the television. And uh, it showed somebody being crucified, literally, it was live. Or the program seemed to be live. And the person was nailed to the cross. And he, sat, he hung there in agony of pain. And Jesus said, you don't need to do that. I did that for you. So you don't have to do that. Alan White says this in Our High Coiling. Jesus died not to save us in our sins, but from our sins. He wants us to follow his example, to deny self, take up our cross daily, and to follow him. When famous preacher Charles Swindle was a boy, he was greatly influenced by a remark from a an American, who said that the problem with the Christian life, it's so daily. And you know, that hit him. It's true. We are called Seventh-day Adventists. I believe we should have been called Seven-day Adventists. We're not to be a Christian once a week, one day a week. But we are to be a Christian seven days a week. That's what Jesus wants from us. As I said to the children, if you do what I command you, I call you my friends. And that's a wonderful atonement testimony to think that some that Jesus himself calls you and me, and you as well. Friends. It's a wonderful testament. Following Jesus is a lifestyle that builds on past lessons and decisions. But it also depends on our dedication day by day. You know as well as I do, we cannot live of yesterday's successes. We cannot live of last week's prayers or the Bible stories we heard when we were children. That's why it's important, as I try to encourage the children, we take some time each day, even if we only read a verse of Scripture, to take that day forward. And you know, Ruth and I have always done this, and... We, we, we read the daily reading every single morning before we go to, for, for Ruth or I go to work. And then we always pray. But it's always a scripture, a promise that's there that God wants you, us, to take for that day. 
So today the cross symbolises our hope and our faith in Jesus, both in life and in death. It speaks of victory. It speaks of forgiveness. It speaks of reconciliation and peace with God. It speaks of hope for the future. It speaks of the infinite love of God for each of us. And it speaks of us of hope for all those who are willing to believe and trust Jesus as their Saviour and their Lord. When George Briggs, who was a governor of Massachusetts, three of his friends went to visit the Holy Land, and whilst they were there, they climbed Golgotha's slope and cut from the hilltop a stick to be used as a cane. And on their return, they presented to him, saying, We want you to know that whilst we were there visiting Israel and we climbed Golgotha, we were thinking of you. He was very touched. He accepted the gift with gratitude. But then he said to his friends, You know, I appreciate your consideration of me, gentlemen. But he said, I am still more thankful for another who thought of me up there. The cross of Jesus reminds us that each new day is both a challenge and an opportunity. It's given us to grow day by day in a relationship with God. Jesus himself said that those who wanted to be his disciples were expected to be in a continual attitude of self-denial and obedience to him. That's why he encourages us to take up our cross daily, to follow his will, to allow him to lead us rather than we leading others. As we come to celebrate Easter together this weekend, can I encourage you to remember that the cross of Calvary signifies the defeat of Satan. As I said to you, Satan thought he'd beaten Jesus when he died on that cross. But on the third day of the week, he came back to life. Sorry, on that third day, not the third day, it's still the week. So it's the weekend. Satan was defeated forever. He knows that he will die one day soon. But you and I don't need to die. Even if we should fall asleep, and I know there are many here who have loved ones who have fallen asleep in Jesus. But one thing that the cross gives to us is hope of the resurrection. Hope of coming back to life again. And because Jesus won the victory over the battle of death, and because he is alive today and lives forevermore, you and I can have that hope that we will live with him one day soon in the clouds in his heavenly kingdom called heaven.
I wonder. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning who've not yet given their hearts to Jesus, who've not yet allowed him to be their Lord. I wonder also, maybe some of us might not have been walking with Jesus as we should have. And perhaps that's something that we could ask this morning, that Jesus would come into our lives and renew our faith in him. For those who continually walk with him, I pray that he will continually bless you. But I wonder if those of you who feel they need uh, uh, a certain blessing from Jesus this time, will you stand with me and say, Lord Jesus, I would like to invite you into my life afresh. And if you've not done it yet, stand and say, please, let me follow you, Lord Jesus. Anyone willing to stand with me at this time and say, yes, Lord, I want you to be in my life. Thank you for those who have stood. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father Lord, our Father Lord God in heaven, I want to say thank you for what Jesus did for us on that cross. It wasn't just him, it was you and the Holy Spirit also. So thank you so much for giving your life for us today. I want to say thank you for everyone in this church this morning, that you will please put your hand of blessing upon each one. For those who have felt that they need you in their lives in a way that they've not felt before, I want to say thank you. Thank you for bringing that to their mind and to their hearts. For those who continue to walk with you in their daily lives, I want to say thank you. And for those who are not too sure, Please bless and touch their hearts with your Holy Spirit's blessing this morning. Be with us each one as we continue to walk with you during these Sabbath hours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.